Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Hey, thanks, Michael, for sharing. You guys may not know this, but not only do we have students that meet on every campus every week, but we do these United events where there are over 100 students that gather on one of our campuses, big outreach. Man, dude, it is a blast. Uh, God's doing some, some amazing things. And uh, Josh and Jordan and I hang out on this campus, so we get to hang out with the students week in and week out. So, uh, man, just wanted to make sure you guys know all that God is doing here. And, uh, man, just some things that you can get excited about. Uh, last week, we kicked off this brand new series uh, called Changes. And this collection of talks all revolves around this one big idea that every person in this room right now has something about their life that they wish would change. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much money you have or what you do as a day job. Every single person in the room and everyone watching online has something in their life that they wish would change. Uh, Maybe it's a physical thing, an emotional, mental, uh, relational, financial. If you're here, obviously there's some spiritual things that that may be on your radar that you wish you could change. And so I think our culture knows that we are people that are all about change. Lots of people want to change things about their life because they've tapped in. Because it seems like everyone has an opinion on what it's going to take for you to change. You ever notice that? Uh, Like our culture is screaming words out that if you really want to change, then you need to do this or say this or be a part of this or join this. And so I want to take a minute and identify some of the, uh, maybe some of the buzzwords in our culture that people are convinced uh, and they are shouting at you that that if you do this, then things change. And uh, so I'm going to just debunk those for a second. This is going to be a trigger warning, okay? Something over the next few minutes might offend you. And uh, if that's, if that happens, okay, if it doesn't happen, it'll ha- just come back next week. Like everybody's going to get offended. That's the goal and that, that, that's going to happen. And so eventually you'll get it. So if you don't get offended today, come back next week and something I say will offend you. So don't be offended if you don't get offended today, we'll get around to it. But here are the words that I hear a lot in the world, in our culture, that people are screaming, I know you want to change and this is what it's going to take to change. Here's the first big buzzword, right? awareness. Man, we need more awareness around this issue or around this thing. And if we had more awareness, then things would change. Heads up, awareness doesn't change anything. Awareness makes you aware, but it doesn't change anything. I'll give you an example. It happened to me just a few weeks ago. Uh, I was riding in my car and my gas light came on, on the dashboard. My car was making me aware that I was getting ready to run out of gas. You know what I did? I drove that sucker for three more days. I'm riding in the car with my oldest daughter, Leah, and we're driving like from our house to the church. And all of a sudden I'm like, I I think I, I probably should pull into this gas station across the street next to the Dollar General. I pull into the parking lot, my car cuts off. Like I run out of gas in the parking lot. I'm pushing the steering wheel. I'm like, Leah, like move with me, motion with me to get us to get us towards the tank. Now, I, I, and I ran out of gas in the parking lot. Now, if awareness changed things, then when that light went off, my gas tank would have filled up. 
But awareness doesn't change anything. Awareness makes you aware, (laughs) but that's it. But some people are convinced, man, if we just need to raise awareness and this issue will change, or we need to make more people aware and these things will go away. Awareness doesn't change anything. Uh, Another thing that people will say is education. You know, if if more people were educated about this, then it would change. Or we need to re-educate some people about these different subjects and about these things, and that would bring about change. Heads up, education gives you information but it does not give you transformation. Education doesn't change anything. Education makes you smarter, but you're still the same. I'll prove it to you. In in 1994, the federal government decided that they would make a new mandate that anything you bought in a grocery store had to have the nutritional information on it. You had to know how many calories, how many grams of fat, how many carbs. There had to be a list of all of the ingredients. And the reason they did that is because they realized that people in America were eating unhealthy and that obesity was on the rise. And so they said, all we need to do is we need to educate people. We need to put the nutritional facts on it and and you will pick that up. And once you see how many calories are in that bad boy, you will not buy it. You will choose greater things. Change comes from education. Fast forward to 2011, they started doing this at fast food restaurants. They made fast food restaurants and all restaurants post how many calories and fat grams were in each menu item. I was at cookout the other day. (laughs) I know it's going to be hard for you to believe, but uh, <laughs> I'm just going through the drive through They have a little section of their menu, 40 different milkshake flavors at cookout. And in the bottom right-hand corner, they have calories that range from 440 to 1,050. 440, probably being vanilla, nobody wants that. <laughs> and 1,050 being the ones that I eat. And I pulled up to the menu board and I saw that and they educated me on how many calories a milkshake has. Do you know what happened when the lady came over the loudspeaker and said, welcome to cookout, can I take your order? I said, yes, ma'am, I'll have an Oreo cheesecake milkshake. (laughs) The 1050 calorie one, fill it up, ma'am. Now, but wait a minute. Now, if we tell people how many calories are in, if we educate people, then people will change. Let me tell you something. That was the best taste in 1,050 calories I had all day long. And now that I'm thinking about it, I might go give me another one today. <laughs> Education doesn't change anything. Education does not lead to transformation. It just makes you smarter. Look at the stats. We started that in 2011. For the next nine straight years, the obesity rate in the United States grew. Education doesn't change anything. Change changes things. If nothing changes, then nothing changes. Maybe the one that I'm guilty of the most is is, uh, hard work. You ever heard that? Man, if, if you work hard, you can change any part of your life. I even have this shirt that I I run in, I I work out in, I mow the grass in, and it's got a simple statement on it. I kind of, I get a little swagger about myself when I put it on. It's got a simple statement. It's this, nobody cares, work harder. 
Like, I like that mantra. Like, I'm just like, instead of complaining about what you don't have and about the opportunities that you weren't given and, and, and being born into the wrong family, here's an idea. Nobody cares. Work harder. Like, stop complaining and start working harder. And whatever you want, if you work hard enough, then you can get it. Start waking up early and start going to bed later and sacrifice and work hard and it'll change. It sounds good, right? Problem is, it's not right. Like I'm all about hard work. I, I, I love a hard work ethic, but there are some things in your life, I don't care how early you get up and how late you stay up. I don't care how many jobs you work and how much you sacrifice and save. There are some things that hard work are not going to change because hard work doesn't change things. Change changes things. Last one, I hear this one a lot, is uh, experience. You know, if people had more experience, if they had more experiences, then life would change. I read some stats recently, just came out about 2021, um, some marriage and relationship stats. And in the year 2021, um, uh, 40% of first-time marriages ended in divorce. Right? So almost like 40 points something. So round up to 41% of first-time marriages ended in divorce. Now, there were also some stats that shared the percentage of second-time marriages that ended in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. Do you know what percentage of marriages and couples that are on their third marriage ends in divorce? 73%. Now, wait a minute now, if, if experienced changed someone, then the more times you were married, the less likely it would be that you would get a divorce. But here's the reality, experience in marriage only leads to a higher divorce rate. So I know a lot of people are going to say, well, experience, we need to experience certain things and it'll change. That doesn't happen. That, that doesn't change things in life. The problem is, man, I don't care what background you have. I don't, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what experience or how aware or how educated you are or how hard of a worker you are. There are some things in your life that are simply not going to change. I love how uh, Paul puts it. I, I hate that I relate so much to this verse in, in Romans, but there were some things about Paul's life that he wanted to change. And for real, this would be my life verse if it wouldn't make me look so doggone bad. Uh, but Paul admits something. Tell me this is not a verse that you can relate to. L listen to what Paul says. He knew there were some things that he wanted to change about his life, but he, they just wouldn't change. He, he says this, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Doggone it, man. That's me. How many times do you do something? You're like, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I know better than that. I knew that wasn't going to end well. How many times have you ever made a promise to somebody, maybe it's to God in prayer or to a relationship that you were in that you're like, I promise you, I will never do that again. Turn over a new leaf right here. That will never happen again. Only a few days later, it happens again. Why is that? Paul realized it. And it's the first thing that I want to ask you to jot down as you think about how to change in your life and experiencing these changes. These areas of your life that you're like, man, I really want this to change. Why won't it change? 
Here's the first thing I want you to jot down. Realize this, there are things in your life that you will never be able to change. There are some things in your life that you will never be able to change. I want you to get that because I don't want you to waste your life spinning your wheels trying to change things that you can't change. They're never going to change by you. Like nothing you will ever do, awareness, education, experience, hard work, it will never change. Paul says, man, there's some some things that have not changed. Another way that I want to put it is this. There are some things about you that you couldn't change even if you wanted to, no matter how bad you want it. There are some aspects of life that simply will not change on your own, no matter how much effort you put towards it. The Bible actually has a lot to say about change, um, various areas of our life. If you really want to see some change in your life, uh, we can read a lot of stories in scripture about change. We're going to look at one of them today uh, as a reminder that the, the, the Bible is the, the most printed book in the history of, of mankind. It's the, the most sold, it's the best-selling book of all time. More copies have been printed and, and translated into different languages than any other book. In fact, the, the printing press was invented because a group of people wanted to make the Bible widely accessible to the entire world. And so if you go into a library or you go into a bookstore or you have a book at your house, that book would not exist if it weren't for the Bible. For someone wanting to make the Bible well-known and, and to be able to print it and pass it around all around the world. So not only do we have the best-selling book that we're going to look at, but in that book is arguably, I mean, I guess you can argue it. I don't, I don't know if you can or not. There's one verse in particular in this Bible that is more uh, memorized, more quoted, more well-known than any other verse in this entire Bible. I mean, you've, you've seen it before. You've probably heard it. it like you, you probably have one verse of the Bible memorized and it's probably this one. This verse is found in the book of John, chapter three, verse 16. You've seen it on the magnet. You've seen it on a t-shirt. You've seen a dude holding up a poster board at a baseball game with this verse written on it. Like it's the most popular verse in, in all of the Bible. But have you ever heard the story and the context of where that verse comes out of? That's what we're going to look at today. If you have your Bible, we're going to do John chapter 3. I want to show you the story, a conversation that Jesus had with a guy in the middle of the night. This guy rolls up to him, wakes Jesus up in the middle of the night because he's got a burning question that is all about change and how I can see some change in my life. In John chapter 3, the guy's name is is Nicodemus. Maybe you've heard of him before. There There was a man named Nicodemus a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So we've got this guy, Nicodemus, we'll call him Nick for short, very religious guy, okay? There were 6,000 Pharisees in the city of Jerusalem and Nicodemus, scholars tell us that he was in the top five or 10 religious scholars in the whole city. Uh, in, in our verbiage today, Nicodemus would be on the Supreme Court of Jerusalem. I mean, just super smart, very elite, very, very educated, privileged guy. 
And this is the man that in the middle of the night comes to Jesus. Very smart, very connected. You want to talk about somebody that's aware and educated and empowered and and works hard and knows all the rules? Like this is Nicodemus. He embodies everything that we believe would actually change a person. And yet in the middle of the night, he has a meeting with Jesus because he says, there's something that I want to see changed. There's something that I just don't understand, Jesus. Nicodemus is at a crossroads because on one hand, his whole life, he has been taught that if you work hard, if you do the right thing, if you're born into the right family, if you have the right education and you have the right background, then that's all you need to experience the change that you want to see in your life. You will be a better person. You'll be a better everything if you can experience these things. But Jesus is preaching a very different message. Jesus said, there are things about your life that you can't change. And Nicodemus says here, man, I, I know that everybody knows that, that God sent you here. Like everybody knows, like Jesus, you are not a normal dude. Like you, there's something about your message. We know that there's truth in it. But the problem is it flies in the face of what I've learned my whole life and what I've taught people my whole life. So I'm at a crossroads, Jesus. I need for you to help me figure out how a person's life really changes. And so he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night and this is what Jesus tells him. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, explained Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, now born again, I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but if you're a follower of Jesus, that, that, that probably is, is familiar to you. Born again is a phrase and a word that describes followers of Jesus. Like I'm a born again Christian or a born again evangelical. It comes from this simple statement that Jesus looks at this uber religious, uber smart guy and says, you have to be born again. Now, if, you, that, if, if that doesn't make sense to you, then like join the party. Nicodemus is here because, and, and you can see the wheels are beginning to turn. He's like, okay, born, born again. Uh, John throws this detail out that Nicodemus was a, an old man. So chances are Nicodemus's mom is already dead. And so Nicodemus is like, all right. So if we were to figure out a way to get back into the womb, which my mom is not going to be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> it wouldn't work for me because my mom's already dead. And so like, what do you mean by born again? How, how, is, how does a person do that? Like, how, how does that, like, so he's got no idea what that, what that terminology is. And Jesus kind of brings this no, no clue how he's like, I know how a baby is delivered, but I don't know how a man gets back in there and, 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 then, and then comes out and then is born again. Like, how, how does that happen? So Jesus is kind of like, he knows, okay, so you don't get it. Let me clarify for you. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. There are some changes in your life that have never happened, and it's because maybe you don't realize the second point that Jesus brings out in this text. It's this, jot it down. To truly change, you must be born again. I mean, there are some things about your life that will never change with you. Jesus said those things, you, you'll change when you experience this born again birth. Now, I love the language. Like Jesus does everything for a purpose, right? It's, it's no accident that he says born again. 
And so he uses that analogy to prove a point to Nicodemus. I want you to think about something. Um, Everybody in here was born, some of us many years before, but everybody was born. Now I want you to think about this. In your birth, what part did you play in your birth? No part, right? You did not play a single role in your, your birth. When the delivery starts, I don't know if I've, I've seen this happen two times. When the delivery starts, the nurse does not put her mouth on the mom's belly and begin to whisper to the baby, start pushing, start pushing. No, she looks at the mom and says, all right, so now is the time to start pushing. Like when, 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 when the baby comes out, the doctor does not congratulate the baby. Like, oh, congratulations for finding your way out. You did it. No. She looks at the mom. It's like, congratulations. And in my case, when the dad's in there, it's like, sir, are you going to be okay? You look like you're about to pass out. No, the, the baby doesn't get any credit for, for being born. The dad doesn't hold the baby for the first time and say, I'm so proud of you for finding your way out. So proud of you for feeding yourself for nine months and, and for protecting yourself inside of there and, and knowing just at the right time when I'm so proud of you. No. He looks at the mom and says, I'm so proud of you. Like you did it. Nobody thanks the baby when the baby is born. No one gives credit to the baby. The baby had nothing to do with the birth. And so Jesus looks at this very religious man that is convinced that his works and his goodness and his education and his awareness and his empowerment is what's going to get me to God. It is going to produce the change in my life. And Jesus says, does the baby get credit for being born? No. See, you need to be born again. You need to be reborn. And the reminder is you don't have anything to do with your own birth. Somebody else does all the work. Jesus clarifies it here. He says, a person can be born of both water and of spirit. The water analogy is when a a woman's water breaks, then the birth comes after. So there's your your water birth. But Jesus says that's how you're born the first time. But in order to experience this heart and soul transformation, something that only God can do in your heart, you must be born of the spirit. See, when you make that decision to follow Jesus and you give your life to him, then God's spirit dwells inside of his people and changes us from the inside out. That may be a, like a, a big light bulb moment for you because there are some things on the outside of you that will not change until the inside of you is changed by God. So Jesus says, you must be born again. I know you've already had one birth, physical birth, water birth from your mom, but I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Because Jesus says some things cannot be changed by you. Some things can only be changed when you are born again. That clears it all up, right? (laughs) Verse nine, how are these things possible? Nicodemus asked, like he's still hung up on it. He's like, wait, wait, what? Start over with the birth thing again and a second time. And how does a person get born on the inside and, and not, how, how does the inside change before the outside? How is that all connected? And Jesus replied, it's kind of a, kind of a slap to the face a little bit, but a wake up call. He says, you are a respected Jewish teacher. And yet you don't understand these things. Jesus is like, hold up, time out. You're on the religious Supreme court and you don't know how your life has changed. 
Wait, you're, you're one of the most educated people. I know you got more degrees behind your name than anybody else. Know, and you don't know how to experience life change? Jesus was again saying, I don't care how smart you are. It doesn't matter about all these degrees in your life and what you've experienced and what family you were born into and how much money you, you have. That doesn't have anything to do with it. And Jesus makes a point here that even the most religious person can totally miss how their life has changed. Even the most educated, elite people can, can totally miss what Jesus is, is trying to, to say here. We close it out with John three sixteen. For this is how God loved the world. Jesus said, you want to really understand what this life is all about? You want to really understand how your life has changed? This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus makes a simple point here. Third thing to write down, get this, man, this will change your life. There are things in your life that will never change without Jesus. Period. You can try all you want to. You can read all the self-help books you want to. You can do all the research you want to. You can try to talk to as many other people that you want to. Bottom line, there are some things in your life that will not change without Jesus. And Jesus confronts this religious man and says some things that went against everything that he had ever been taught. Everything that this man had spent his life chasing. He said, man, the son of man did not come to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Now, Nicodemus would have been the king of condemning people. That's what Pharisees did. They were religious people that looked at all the peasant commoners and said, you're not good enough. You're not following the rules enough. You can't meet the bar. And so they would condemn them. Jesus says, man, God's plan to save the world is not doing what you're doing. God didn't send a teacher to the world. He sent a savior because the world doesn't need educating. It needs saving. It needs redeeming. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Who gave? He gave. Whose son? His son. Heads up. Didn't have anything to do with you. In fact, the Bible says that while you and I were still sinners on the other team running away from God, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. Jesus is making sure this guy knows it's not up to you. I don't care how bad you want it, Nicodemus. Your life will not change. Your heart and soul will not change. Your eternity will not change apart from Jesus. Now you can try to put makeup on a pig. Like, like you, you can try to act right. You can try to do the right things. But ultimately, deep down, who you are on the inside is broken and sinful. And the reason you see the things on the outside is because your soul and heart have not been changed. And there's only one person that can do that. And that's Jesus. And I love how Jesus lays this out because he doesn't look at Nicodemus and said, so you need to start acting different. You need to have different patterns. You need to do different things. No, he simply says this, God gave, God sent, God loved, God initiated the whole thing. All you have to do is to believe. That's it. That if you would believe in him, then you would have eternal life. No rules, no hoops to jump through. Life changed through Jesus happens with a simple childlike faith, just believing that Jesus is who he says he is and that he did what we read that he did. 
Jesus says, your life can be changed just like that. It's, it's a gift. You don't earn it. It's a gift. Uh, it's grace. You, you can't earn it. It's grace. It's just grace that's given to us by God. God loved. God gave. God sent the invitation for you today. The gift for you today is just to believe, just, just to accept it. Nicodemus walked away that night uh, both confused and enlightened. He had heard something that he had never heard before. That went against everything that he had actually ever heard, ever went to school for, ever preached. That your life can be changed, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And Jesus is the one that, that does the changing. We actually see Nicodemus pop up two more times in, in the Bible. The first one here in John 3, he's a skeptic. Like he's just curious. He's like, hey man, there's some things that are not matching up here and I just need some clarity on it. The second time that we see Nicodemus in the book of John is John chapter 7. And the Pharisees are arguing about Jesus and they're like, who is this guy? And he's against us and he's preaching a totally different message. He's making us look bad and he's doing these miracles and everybody loves him. Like we should kill him. And in John chapter seven, Nicodemus pipes up and says, hey, whoa, what if, uh, like what if we just heard him out? Like, I'm not saying we gotta believe, but like, let's just hear him out. Maybe he's got a good message. He wasn't gonna tell anybody that he met with Jesus secretly at night and ruin his reputation. He says, maybe let's just ask him a few questions. Like, let him defend himself. The Pharisees didn't bite on it. And the next time we see Nicodemus is in John chapter 19. And Nicodemus is with a man named Joseph of Arimathea. And these are the two men that are taking Jesus' body off of the cross to be buried. Needless to say, sometime between John 3 and John 19, Nicodemus was born again and decided that this was the time this man's life is worth it his message was worth it he is sent by God it it is true and Nicodemus was the only Pharisee in the entire book of the Bible that ever turned to Jesus that ever was born again that ever experienced life change through him I don't know if that's the first time you've ever heard that story Maybe you're like Nicodemus and for the first time you hear this phrase like born again and maybe it's still just like, what? <laughs> like what a weird language. How can, it's, it's scientifically impossible to be born again. I wanna challenge you to do what Nicodemus did, to take your doubts and your questions and to reconcile them with God. Man, maybe that means you just continue to show up. All right, I'll, I'll come back next week and figure out what this dude has to say about Jesus. Like I'll, I'll pick up a Bible and start reading some story. I don't know, I'll, start, I'll try praying again. I don't know. Like just, just give it a try. See what happens. Nicodemus continued this thought process. Maybe you already understand that terminology. Maybe you know what it means to be born again. Maybe you would call yourself a Christian and maybe you see yourself in chapter 19 where you're like, you know what, I, I believe I, I am born again. I, my life has been changed from the inside. I can tell you my life is different today than it was. I can show you a thousand reasons why I'm a different person. And it's not because I tried harder or jumped through the religious hoops. It's because Jesus changed my heart and he changed my life. And you're on the back end of that saying, now I'm gonna spend my time honoring God. I'm gonna spend my time helping other people know who this Jesus is and what he's done for my life. Everybody in the room can learn something from the, the story of Nicodemus. And so I wanna challenge you, if you have that thing in your life that you're like, man, why doesn't it change? Why won't it change? Why won't my marriage? Why won't my finances? Why won't my relationships? Why won't my situation at work change? There's a possibility that God wants to change you here 
before he changes your circumstances outside. That maybe God wants to do something in you before he does something outside of you. That the change that you've been desiring lies in a simple explanation and invitation today to just believe that God loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and your life can be transformed, not by all of the other things, but by Jesus. Hey, if you got questions, we've been doing this for the last few weeks. If you got questions about who God is and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, we got a gift for you on the way out the door. There's a couple of bags at the connection bar here, bags on the side of the stage. Grab one, man. Everybody has questions. Everybody knows what it's like to have questions about God and what all this means for our life. Be like Nicodemus, man, dig in. Keep asking the questions and asking God for some clarity in that. And if you are a follower of Jesus here, man, it's time for us to get serious because there are neighbors and friends of ours that are trying their hardest to change. And they're trying every magic pill, doing every magic exercise, reading every self-help book. They're trying their hardest, waking up early and staying up late to change something in their life that they cannot change. And you and I have the answer. So let's be bold with them and say, hey, there's some things in your life that will never change without Jesus. Make that decision today. Give your life to him. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for this clear story. <laughs> I love how simple it is that we are just to be born again, knowing that we had nothing to do with our own birth. That, that all of the work, all of the sacrifice, all of the pain was bore by someone else. And what a beautiful picture of salvation. What a beautiful invitation that our sin and our shame and our hurt and our pain was paid for by someone else. And we can experience a new birth. We can be born again. Our life can be changed by Jesus today. Guys, so I pray for those that are thinking about that. You're speaking to them right now that they would move forward to take that next step and just to say, all right, all right, God, I want my life to change. I wanna see a change in my life that I believe only you can produce and for them to give their life to you right now. God, I'm confident that, that you will do what you said that you would do, that your message would go out, would not land on deaf ears, uh, but that would penetrate people's hearts, come into eyes and ears that would be opened up for the very first time. So I pray that right now, people would begin a relationship with you in a real personal way. Uh, God, thank you for that invitation to accept the gift. Ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.